Good morning and welcome to Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Alex Kuhn. Today, we will chat with a cellist from the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, as well as tell you about an organization providing meals to the homeless in an atmosphere of dignity and respect. And last but not least, an organization that is helping families in need of canine therapy dogs to help train those dogs to help the families in need. We now welcome Brent Taylor, a cellist at the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. He joins us this morning on Score Values. Brant, how are you doing this morning? I'm wonderful, Alex. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask you how are how are things going down there at uh, Symphony Symphony Center with the CSO? Well, you know, I always remind myself I'm a lucky person to be able to make a living playing as a part of this wonderful ensemble. Uh, we've been back from a, a very long European tour that took most of January, which we can talk about if you like. And this is um, a couple weeks back into our normal schedule of concerts for our, our local audiences here. So exciting programs. And this week in particular, I'm, I'm enjoying very much. Yeah, well, let's get into the the European tour. What what? Uh, how many stops along the way, and what was that experience like for you guys? I always say touring is one of the nice parts of our job. There are certainly some complications to being away from home logistically for that that length of time. But this was three weeks spent in, I believe, eleven different European cities, and the concerts went wonderfully and they were conducted by our now music director emeritus ricardo muti audiences were great and it's just interesting to be in different places look at these cultures and sort of brings home the idea to me that music is the one of the few things that really is sort of universal and that people no matter where we go in the world are ready to ready to respond to um the realities of touring, you know, if you look at the list of cities we went to, it looks extremely glamorous. It's all the major European capitals. And as you might expect, the reality of touring behind the scenes is a little bit more complicated. And we're obviously trying to be well rested and be able to, to do our best for all of the concerts. So it was a busy trip, some stops where we would travel to a different city midday, have a few hours in the hotel, play a concert that night and then be off the next morning to the next place. So um, it was a busy trip, but I, I think I speak for my colleagues when I say we're, we're, we consider ourselves lucky to be able to do this type of travel and to represent Chicago around the world. Brand Taylor, a cellist for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, joining me this morning on Score Values. And let's get to what I just sort of brought up. Can you tell us a little bit about your career uh, where you were before and how you landed in, in the CSO? Sure. Uh, I don't come from a musical family, so I'm a little bit of an oddball this way, but was lucky to start in a public school music program and found a way never to quit playing the cello before college. And I discovered in college my first love, which is chamber music. So there was a time, believe it or not, where I really wasn't thinking that I would have a job in a, in a major orchestra like the CSO, when I left college, I was playing in a string quartet professionally for the first few years of my, my career. And then when I transitioned to thinking about orchestra life, I played very briefly in the New World Symphony, which is in Miami Beach, Florida. And then for one year, I was in the St. Louis Symphony before coming to the CSO in 1998. So believe it or not, this is my 
uh, 26th season in the CSO. So with all of that experience uh, that, that you have gained, how much pride do you take in paying forward your experience and in, in teaching the next generation of musicians? That's a great question. And I take a large amount of, of pride in doing exactly that. And I enjoy teaching, but part of why I do it is out of a sense of responsibility because learning to play the cello or any other instrument isn't something that you can usually do well just by reading books or watching internet videos about it. It's one of those sort of old school crafts that you can really only learn by studying with an individual one-on-one in a very intense way. So I was very lucky to have great teachers. And so part of why I, why I teach now and part of why I'm involved in some of the CSO's efforts to pass on great information is, is exactly that out of a sense of responsibility, but I obviously take, take a, a great deal of satisfaction in doing it as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what type of programs does the CSO offer to young musicians and to teach, uh, to, to kind of work on, on musical curriculum? So there's an arm of the CSO that's called the Nagani Music Institute, and that encompasses all of the educational activities of the CSO. And there, as you might expect, is a wide range, everything from programs that invite very young children into our concert hall, programs that are specifically designed to introduce young people to the orchestra, to the instruments of the orchestra, all the way up to, at the other end, the Civic Orchestra of Chicago, which is the training, it's, it's billed as the training orchestra of the Chicago Symphony. So this is made up of young people who are on the verge of professional careers. Some of them are still finishing the last bit of their schooling. Others are finished with school and are really sort of on the diving board ready to, to jump off into the profession. So I have the opportunity to work closely with the cellists who are in the civic orchestra and to sort of put the final, give them the final bits of inspiration and, and cheerleading that they need to take auditions and to be ready to enter the profession. So those are sort of both of the ends of the, of the CSO's activities. And um, I think, yeah, music education in general is something that the more of it we have, I think the better society is. So the CSO seems to, um, for me, it's, it's gratifying to take part in, in what the CSO can do in this regard. Brant Taylor, cellist from the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, joining me this morning on Score Values. And Brant, you mentioned that uh, you guys are on tour, but you're now you're back in Chicago playing for local audiences. What do you have in store over the next month or so? Um, well, our music director emeritus is, after taking us on the tour, he's taking a break from us for a while doing other things. And so we have a series of guest conductors over the, the coming weeks. And um, the programs are incredibly varied. As I look through the next few weeks, we have some big, uh, big works by Tchaikovsky and Shostakovich, kind of big Russian war horses. And then a week uh, at the end of this month with some Beethoven and Schubert, so sh- some German music. Um, yeah, I, there's a wonderful concerto for orchestra by Ludoslavsky that's not so well known coming up in the first week of March. And yeah, I, 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 I enjoy all the weeks 
um, that we play, but I'm looking over the next month in particular, and for anyone who's listening who may never have been to Orchestra Hall or hasn't been for a while, there is something in every week coming up that should be a really, really fantastic experience. Yeah, I was going to ask you for those those that haven't been to to Orchestra Hall and 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 seen the CSO. What what type of experience can they expect? Well, it's an interesting question because I think you probably may know, Alex, that classical music is one of those art forms that, to people who don't maybe have much experience with it, it has a little bit of an aura of exclusivity or or unapproachability, and people can sometimes think that they need to have prior knowledge of the of what the music is to come into the hall. And this is something that I, I very much hope these views are, are on the way out because um, certainly it's not true. And if you compare to going to a museum and looking at works of art in that way, nobody thinks they need to have expertise in order to go and form an opinion of a, a painting or a picture on the wall. And the same is really true of, of music. So I guess what I would say to people is, it's going to be a welcoming experience. We do have some program notes that if you want to read beforehand about the pieces you're going to hear, of course you can do that, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with just getting a ticket, walking in the door and watching the show and taking it in and, and whatever is, is on the program. Um, it's going to be varied. It's going to be, uh, yeah, something that hopefully, Anybody passing by Michigan Avenue on the street is going to be able to to find interesting and um, provocative and hopefully rewarding as well. Are there ways that people can get involved and in, in support CSO? Sure. I would say that the, um, for those who, who are less familiar with the orchestra, the first step is just to come and see what we do. Right. There's, there are other things that happen at Orchestra Hall besides the CSO. The Civic Orchestra plays there. We have chamber music concerts made up of small groups of, of colleagues. And under the banner of Symphony Center Presents, there are visiting orchestras and there's jazz, world music, um, recitals, piano recital series. So probably, uh, again, people's tastes can dictate what they come to and then if someone wants to get involved behind the scenes, there are any number of ways to, to do that in terms of um, various levels of, of financial support or people that have time to volunteer for certain activities. There are, are groups for every age and every purpose that operate behind the scenes and are really an important part of helping the CSO um, thrive. Yeah, and the, the website to learn more, CSO. Brant Taylor, cellist at the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's my pleasure, Alex. Thank you. We now welcome Mary Coy, the Chief Development Officer for Inspiration Corp. She joins me now on Score Values. Mary, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Alex. I'm great. Well, we're delighted to have you this morning. Why don't I give you the floor now to tell us a little bit about Inspiration Corp.? Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Inspiration Corporation has been around for um, 35 years, and we started 
very grassroots, kind of a, a street-based um, community outreach program, really wanting to connect with people in the uptown neighborhood um, and using food and really good coffee as a way to do that. So um, recognizing there were people in the community whose needs might not be met by traditional services and wanting to build relationships with those folks. So we, um, over time, that that was a little red wagon in the beginning, and over time that turned into, you know, a van, a bus, a storefront, and uh, to this day our program, which we call Inspiration Cafe, has been operating as a meals and engagement program for folks um, experiencing homelessness and poverty. Um, sort of naturally growing out of that work when talking to people coming in for meals about other services they might need, they identified both employment and housing as kind of top priorities. So over the years, we added those programs. Um, our employment program is really rooted in, in food as well. Um, we had at our cafe a kitchen that wasn't being used um, when we weren't serving meals, and so we started training people in food service. And um, about uh, 10, 15 years ago, we opened a second location in the East Garfield Park community. That's called Inspiration Kitchens. And that's our social enterprise, that's our social enterprise um, restaurant and job training program. So you you talk about the, the way that Inspiration Corporation has evolved from that that. Uh, grassroots organization where it just serve meals uh, the, to the homeless. How, what has that process been like expanding into what you were talking about, including case management and supportive services, housing and employment training as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we really try to partner with people. That's that's the, the core of our program model to, um, you know, get to know folks, to build trusting relationships and figure out what their goals are and what their needs are. So um, it could be as, as simple as somebody coming in and, and needing, um, you know, some, some hygiene products or as complex as, as needing housing. And um, our goal is to really help folks uh, figure out how to get to where they want to go and be a partner in that process. Um, and I think that's been true since, since our very beginnings, and that's um, sort of led our growth and expansion. So when it comes to your cafe and your kitchens, what can people expect? What can someone maybe going through some food insecurity right now expect when they go into uh, one of these places? So um, let me, I should clarify, because it's kind of, our, our name can be confusing because we're Inspiration Corporations, and Inspiration Cafe is our program in the Uptown community, and that is open to folks experiencing food insecurity, you know, hunger and homelessness. And um, we invite people in for breakfast um, every, every weekday, and we create a an environment that feels a lot like coming into a restaurant. So we have volunteers who are working both as cooks and servers. So we invite people in and um, really have dignity and respect at the core of, of what we're doing and wanting to make people feel comfortable and welcome and safe. Um, so people come in, they order off the menu. Um, we have, you know, different specials on, on different days. Um, and then we start to, to um, invite them in for additional services as well. So if somebody comes in for a meal and then says, hey, I really need help 
with um, identifying some resources for um, ongoing uh, food insecurity. We might help them access um, benefits, for example. At Inspiration Kitchens, that is our um, that is our restaurant that's open to the public a couple days a week. So on uh, Fridays and Saturdays, anyone can come to Inspiration Kitchens and enjoy uh, breakfast or lunch or brunch. Um, and we have a, a wonderful menu of classics that we've been um, perfecting over the years. Um, favorites are shrimp and grits and the jambalaya. Um, we have great burgers, fried chicken sandwich, um, you know, kind of very, um, very comfort, full food based. So that restaurant is open to the public um, on Fridays and Saturdays. And then the other days of the week, we are using that space both as the training center for students in our food service training program, as well as um, the, the catering we do out of our restaurant is, um, is a great way to engage the students in the, the process. So there's a lot of hands-on learning at that site. Um, but folks who are interested in the food service training program um, can can visit our um, website and um, apply for for um, future cohorts. Mary Coy, the Chief Development Officer for Inspiration Corporation, joining me this morning on Score Values. Uh, Mary, you you mentioned Inspiration Kitchens. What are some of the other ways that people can get involved, donate, and support Inspiration Corporation? Thanks so much for asking that. Um, we have a lot of ways that people can connect and, and be part of our work. We um, have volunteer opportunities at both of our locations. Um, we have um, a website that I'd invite people to visit, which is www.inspirationcorp.org, and we're on social media. Following us on social media is always wonderful. Um, and then we have events um, where people can come and learn more and support our work. Um, we have one coming up uh, Friday, March 15th. Um, it's called One Inspired Evening. It's going to be held at Morgan Manufacturing, which is at 401 North Morgan Street in Chicago. And um, this event has been going on for so many years. It really started as a way that um, folks who were supportive of our work in the arts community and in the chef community could help us out. So we have a wonderful auction with a lot of art involved, um, pieces of art for, for sale, um, for bidding. Um, we have chefs who are joining us with um, food um, for people to taste, as well as our own Inspiration Kitchens being featured. Um, so it's a really fun night, um, and it's a way to, to support our work and learn more about our work. If, if those are interested in, in attending or, or donating, where, where can they find more information about your gala on the 15th? So the event website is linked on our own website and social media, but I will also give it to you. It is one.bidpal forward slash OIE24. So the word one, O-N-E dot bid, B-I-D-P-A-L forward slash OIE24. Awesome. Are there any other community, you mentioned some of the other community outreach events that you hold throughout the year. What, what are some of those? 
So we are involved in um, opportunities like job fairs and other community-based um, events where we talk about how to get engaged in our programs as well as supporting our work through volunteer opportunities. Um, we love partnering with restaurants and other um, supportive organizations and planning events. We have a small um, auxiliary board that does um, social and um, promotional events at different um, locations, often bars and restaurants throughout the year. Awesome stuff. Mary Coy, the Chief Development Officer for Inspiration Corporation. One more time, the website is Inspiration Corp. I-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N-C-O-R-P dot org. Mary, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you, Alex. I really appreciate it. We now welcome Sheila Gidley, the Executive Director of Canine Therapy Corps to Score Values. Sheila, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Alex. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, we're delighted to have you. And as I always do, why don't I want to give you the floor to tell us a little bit about your organization. All righty. Well, we are Canine Therapy Corps, and we train, test, and then place volunteer therapy dog teams where they can help people who have experienced physical or emotional trauma um, to heal. And so while our teams do go out like on visitation assignments, our niche is goal-directed animal-assisted therapy. And this means that the dogs actually participate in the treatment. So, for example, someone who is learning to regain the use of their legs might work with one of our dogs and take it on a short walk on a leash down the hall. Um, or maybe somebody who's trying to restore range of motion in their arms or their hands might brush a dog's coat or open and close their hand around a treat and then feed it to a dog. So that's what we do like with physical therapy patients. And then we also have psychosocial programs and those programs support those in recovery from severe emotional distress like abuse or neglect or substance use disorder. Um, and these programs run from about six to eight weeks. And in this program, participants work with the dogs, teaching them obedience or agility skills. And what this does is it helps people with communication skills, anger management, self-confidence, and emotional management. There's really so many ways dogs can help in treatment. What is the training process like for the animals? So basically, um, we do offer a lot of training classes, and they're not just for those with aspirations of becoming a therapy dog team. So, you know, if you just want your dog to be better behaved or learn certain skills, they will be in the same classes with those who are aspiring to be a therapy dog. So we offer puppy classes. We offer a foundation class for dogs that are, you know, like over five months or, you know, even five years. Um so if you have an older dog that just needs basic skill training, um, if you have a dog that knows the basics, but you want to help prepare your dog to focus better and behave in a variety of situations, like going out in a crowded place, you can take one of our intermediate classes. And then our advanced class has more of a focus on therapy dog training. Um, and that is to make sure to get the dog used to being petted by, you know, maybe lots of people at once, or, you know, if somebody accidentally, you know, tugs on its tail or its ears, it won't get upset. 
Um, so it's really just a way to kind of prepare the dog for therapy training. But again, you don't have to commit to becoming a therapy dog team to take this class. Um, and I even just want to back up. So when I say a therapy dog team, that would be an owner in the dog. So anybody who has a dog, um, can be a therapy dog team. They just need to come. You don't even have to train here, but you do have to t- pass our test. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you what type of of, of patients, as far as uh, people with dogs, do you guys work with? Well, we work with actually we have program partners. Um, so we work at we bring our dogs to places such as Shirley Ryan Ability Lab or Haymarket Center, which works with people who are experienced substance use disorder. We go to Easter Seals and work with kids who are on the autism spectrum. So basically, the populations we, we serve include those battling substance use disorder. We work with Jesse Brown uh, Medical VA, the Veterans um, Medical Center for veterans who are suffering from PTSD. Uh, We work with places like Lawrence Hall and Lydia Home um, with children who have histories of trauma, abuse, or neglect. Um, And we work with people of all ages who are recovering from severe physical injury. And kind of going back to something that you were talking about, Sheila, um, is that your classes are, are open to the public, basically all dog owners, correct? Yes. Um, we offer them there. You know, we've got some going on all the time. And for those of you who might be interested in training your dog or becoming a therapy dog team, um, you can go to our website, which is caninetherapycore.org. Um, and core is spelled C-O-R-P-S. Um, actually, now that I think about it, we have another site that will direct you. It might be easier to remember, and that's dogsthatheal.org. And heal is spelled H-E-A-L. Sheila, what type of community outreach events do you guys have throughout the year? Well, we do a couple of things throughout the year. So, for example, um, we team up with Cook County and the Anti-Cruelty Society, and we host a vaccination clinic. And this is where our neighbors in need can bring their pets for free vaccinations. Uh, we don't have a 2024 date yet, but those who are interested can keep an eye on our website, dogsthatheal.org, um, or you can subscribe to our email updates, and that way you know, we can inform you when it's coming up. Um, We also host a pet pantry, and again, it's for area residents who are in need, and they can come by and get free pet food and supplies. Um, This is taking place, we do this every year at our facility at Fullerton and Pulaski. Um, This is going to be on March 30th, and again, check out our website, or you can subscribe to our emails. Um, And then coming up pretty soon on February 25th, we're hosting a dog emergency first aid and CPR seminar, so this is really a great Um, event I'm looking forward to going. Uh, We're working with Scout Veterinary Care and Real Dog Moms of Chicago. And for this, tickets are $25, and the net proceeds benefit our therapy dog programs. And you guys have a gala coming up on the 2nd of March, correct? You know we do. So this is our big fundraiser. We look forward to it every year. It's a lot of fun. Um, It's the annual Black and White Gala. And like you said, it takes place March 2nd. It's at Revel Motor Row. And, again, the proceeds help fund our therapy dog programs. Uh, so much fun. There's food, drinks, dancing. We have a silent auction. Um, and we even you can come and meet some of our therapy dogs. They always come and make an appearance. <laughs> so tickets are available on our website, and we would love to see everyone there. I'm, I'm sure the dogs are the stars of the, uh, of the show. Uh, is Sheila they Gidley, are very popular, yes. <laughs> the Executive Director of Canine Therapy Corps joins me this morning 
on score value. Sheila, what are some of the ways that, that people can get involved with the Canine Therapy Corps? Well, we are always, always looking for therapy dog teams. Um, so you dog owners out there, if you're looking for a meaningful and fun volunteer opportunity that you can do with your dog, please contact us, visit our website. Um, you know, like I said, we can do all the training. Um, or if your dog is already very well trained, you can maybe just take, you know, one brief class or just go right in and take the test. It is a difficult test, though. So we do suggest that your dog, you know, does have good training before you take the test. Um, but of course, monetary donations, always welcome and needed. And again, all of this can be done through our website. Do you have any volunteer opportunities for, for those without dogs? Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. Um, we, For example, we need volunteers for our tests that we hold once a month um, because we need to make sure that the dogs respond well to people that they don't know. So we are actually, we actually need volunteers to come in and like pet the dogs for our tests. That's a, that sounds like a horrible job, right? <laughs> we need people to come and pet and be nice to dogs. Um, and then we also have like different events throughout the year where we can always use some help. Um, and every once in a while, we might need somebody to handle somebody else's therapy dog at some of our, um, you know, at some of our programs. But usually you do have to be somewhat uh, a little bit versed in therapy dog programs before we let you do that. Sheila, I can already hear the listeners out there. Uh, how do I volunteer to be the dog petter? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, w- one more time, uh, Sheila Gidley, the executive director of the Canine Therapy Corps, joins me this morning on Score Values. One more time, the website and, and what folks can find there. Dogfedheal.org, H-E-A-L. You see it's the play on words, you see what we did there, <laughs> um, or canine-therapy-core.org. And from there, you can register to volunteer. You can register to take our classes. You can register for any of our events like the um, like our gala, which will be a lot of fun, like our emergency first aid class, really anything you want to know about us. Um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to call me or reach out on the website, but we would love to see you. Sheila, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you. Take care. That's going to do it for another edition of Score Values. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future edition of our show, or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Alex Kuhn. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score.